Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Wednesday, February 15th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Okay, Jay, so for our fact of the day, Tim Hortons opened its first location in Pakistan this week, and the cost of a small coffee is a buck thirty US. And despite an ongoing economic crisis, people are surprisingly, Jay, lining up for hours to get a taste of Tim's coffee and baked goods. Jay, would you be waiting in that line? I don't wait in line for Tim Hortons here, so I'm definitely not going to wait for it in Pakistan. It's an interesting move. Look, I think people do like standing in line Tim Hortons. It's universal, I guess. You love standing in line for Tim Hortons. I love standing in line for Tim Hortons. You know, Tim Hortons has been going on a real international push. And another fun fact is that they actually have a partnership with Chinese internet company Tencent, where they have opened up gaming-themed Tim Hortons in China. And so that's a fun, you know, it's almost like when people go around the world to go to all the different Disney worlds and Disneylands. That's me. I'm going to go to all the different Tim Hortons and all the different corners of the world now. Well, you could go not even to different corners. You could just cross over into Buffalo or Niagara Falls and find some there. I think you should document that, but make sure Tim Hortons is going to pay you for that excursion. You'll be a Tim Hortons influencer, Brett. Now that we're talking it out, Jay, it's not a terrible idea. You could definitely get Tim Hortons to pay for you to travel the world to go try Tim Hortons in all these different locations. It's great publicity for them. Well, Tim Hortons PR team called Brett at Brett at... I'm just kidding. Brett at readthepeak.com. It's not a secret. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Aside from your excursions on behalf of Tim Hortons, maybe, what do we have for Peak Calls today? For our first story, the EU is going electric. For our second story, lab-grown diamonds are getting big. And for our last story, Canada wants to be a leader in AI. For our first story, the E in EU doesn't just stand for European anymore. It stands for electric. What's happening in the electric union, Brett? So the EU has effectively banned the sale of new gas-powered vehicles after 2035. Now, this is after approving a law that will force car makers to achieve a 100% cut in emissions by that time. Though the law allows for the possibility of cars powered by carbon-neutral fuels, it sets the stage for an EV takeover of European roads. The EU's new law is perhaps the clearest directive from a major major economy for automakers to change their production habits and make net zero vehicles the priority. Now, the rest of the Western world is eyeing similar changes. Last December, Canada proposed regulations that would also require all new vehicles to be sold to be zero emissions by 2035. The revolution, get it, REV? Yeah. Okay, anyway. The revolution still faces affordability issues, a lack of charging stations, concerns over cold weather performance, and fears that EVs aren't really as green as they seem. Now, to zoom out, EV adoption may be hampered by these issues, but it is happening. It's just at different paces in different places. North America may be lagging, but EVs already make up over 20% of the auto market in China and Europe last year. In total, spending on EVs reached $388 billion in 2022 per a Bloomberg NEF report. That's up 53% year over year. That's only a fraction of the $2.5 trillion a year auto market, but it's the growth that matters. Nearly 60% of all EV spending ever happened in the past 18 months. And in recent months, car makers from Nissan to Ford to Volkswagen have all touted EV expansions, while the once EV resistant Toyota has changed its tune. Lawmakers are all in on EVs and automakers don't want to be left in their environmentally sustainable dust. Make room for the Rivian. For our second story, diamonds have been a lot of things over the years. In the mid-20th century, De Beers said a diamond is forever. And Marilyn Monroe called them a girl's best friend in the 2000s. A Leo DiCaprio thriller helped bloody their image. And now diamond growing labs are making them cheap and even ethical. Those sound like my type of diamonds. Jay, how does this all work? I'm glad you asked. Lab-grown diamonds are pretty darn close to the real deal. They're often made through chemical vapor deposition, a process that uses a gas-infused pressure chamber to 
stimulate the tectonic forces that crush carbon into diamonds under the Earth's surface. Last September, Montreal-based Group RSL became the first Canadian company to create a lab-made diamond. Diamond retailer Blue Nile added lab-grown options to its offering last year, and even De Beers has launched a diamond-growing subsidiary. And it matters because lab-grown rocks are free from the reputation associated with blood diamonds, which have been tied to human rights abuses. They're also cheaper, amounting to a sparkling pitch in the eyes of cost-conscious and conscientious millennials and Gen Zs. A 2018 survey found that 70% of millennials would prefer lab-grown diamonds due to sustainability and human rights concerns. Plus, while a one-carat lab-grown diamond sold at a 17% discount to a natural one in 2016, the discount has actually now reached 73%. Yes, but, here's the but, Brett, growing diamonds is a high-pressure job that takes a lot of energy. Montreal's RSL sources Quebec's hydroelectricity, but many labs still rely on carbon-emitting sources. The bottom line is lab-grown diamonds make up about 10% of the $84 billion diamond market, and their market share has doubled between 2020 and 2022. They're a shiny new addition to the world's jewelry trade, and Canada is getting in on the bling. For our third story, complete global dominance of the maple syrup market isn't enough. Canada wants to be a leader in artificial intelligence too. Here's what's happening. So Scale AI, a Montreal-based group of researchers and startups focused on developing AI technology, they'll invest $117 million to fund 15 AI projects after securing fresh financing from the federal government and participating companies. Scale AI is one of five innovation clusters alongside digital tech, protein industries, manufacturing, and ocean, aimed at making Canada a leader in emerging sectors. Scale AI backs projects that include a venture with McCain to reduce potato waste on production lines and a management system for Bombardier to optimize aircraft maintenance. It matters because Canada is home to some of the world's top AI talent and invests heavily in it. But critics believe the pan-Canadian AI strategy has focused too much on research instead of commercialization and has been far too eager to welcome foreign players. According to one intellectual property lawyer, AI experts funded through Canada's AI strategy have been granted 232 patents, 75 of which are owned by foreign entities. With this new major investment focused on domestic commercial developments, Canada hopes to stamp out these criticisms and utilize AI to enhance productivity in sectors like construction, retail trade, logistics, inventory management, and much, much more. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Thank you, Brett. Have a great Wednesday, Peak Pals.